0: This is Tamar Yona of Israel National Radio. Thank you to all of our loyal listeners for your generous support during our Chevathon fundraiser. Our 12-hour live televised program brought together all of our show hosts and our listeners and was as fun for us as it was for you. You can continue throughout the year to show your support by clicking on the Support Us banner on the top of IsraelNationalRadio.com. Thank you again from Arut Sheva, Israel National Radio.
1: Shalom, and welcome to all of you lovers of Hashem, His Torah, Israel, and the nations. Welcome back to the Noahide Nation Show, and it's really good to be here. It's great to be on Israel National Radio with you folks. I'm your co-host, Ray Patterson, and let me go ahead and uh, bring in my partner, Prescott Johnson. Prescott, how are we doing today? Doing great, Ray. Lovely day today. Well, good. you sounding sounding pretty good. you ready for
2: today's show? Uh I'm never ready for the show but <laughs> but I'm good to go
1: Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, I am too, and I know our guest is as well, and we are certainly uh, blessed and baruch Hashem for allowing this uh, opportunity to happen, as we have the guest we had from last week, Russell Kirk, who was uh, treating us all to a much, much better understanding of what is kosher for Noahide, what is not, uh, what are the some of the things that we can do beyond being Kosher is Noah Hides. And let me go ahead and bring Russell back in here. Russell, how are you today?
0: Ray Prescott, it's good to be back here. I just want to thank you all for the opportunity to come back again and uh, discuss this uh, topic a little further.
1: No, no, no! It's uh, us thanking you. We we appreciate you uh, taking some time out of your day to help us understand and learn more about this uh, whole idea of Gentiles uh, being kosher. And I know uh, last week we covered a you know number of of different things. You know, as far as whether or not it's a, a commandment for uh, Noahides to eat. Kosher uh we kind of talked about the differences that you know you might have been feeling in your life as far as physically and spiritually from from eating kosher that you are now, and I wanted to you know kind of move on from all of that which we discussed uh, last week and and ask you this question and if you'd be willing to share with us uh, once again to kind of get the ball rolling the details of the Noahide dietary laws
0: okay, well. Very simply, Ray, what we eat halakhically is, uh, has no limitations. We are free as uh, Gentiles to eat anything um, that we want. However, the halakhic restrictions come in how the animal has been slaughtered right. and how the animal is in uh, the condition of the animal. At the time of slaughter, so this kind of this is this this leaves the uh, question, or basically begs the question. You know, if we can eat anything, why is the Jewish people, or why does the Torah speak of uh, things not to eat? And you know, basically, uh, these uh, we we uh, categorize them in the terminology which we understand being. Clean and unclean. Many Noahides um, choose to eat what is uh, categorized as clean. Now, this is animals that are suited for sacrifice. This is animals that are permitted for sacrifice. And these. this is uh, what is known as, as a clean animal. Now, this is a totally voluntary um, Heart on us to, to eat this to eat uh, animals that are clean. Now when we talk about um, animals that are, are not clean and eating them, the question is is you know what was what would be wrong? what is the difference between what is clean and what is unclean for is a uh, someone eating it And the, the phrase that I heard one time that kind of summed it up for me was if we are what we eat and we eat what is unholy, and then what are we? You know, and so this is telling us, this is alluding to the fact that there is a spiritual connection into what we eat. And, and we, we understand that um, people that uh, are very uh, spiritual, observant Jews watch very carefully what they eat because they understand that there is a spiritual connection to what they're eating. And um, so basically, this is um, what we're doing in this aspect as, as taking it on to ourselves. If we are somebody, if you are an individual who wishes to enhance your spiritual being uh, in, in this manner, this is definitely one of the avenues that we choose to do so.
1: Now, we do need to understand that if you choose not to eat in this fashion, yet you maintain uh, keeping the Sheva Mitzvot, you are no less a Noahide uh, in any way, shape, or form, right?
0: Yeah. As you can tell, you know, this is the difficulty of this um, uh, this kind of dialogue, and this is what I struggle with. People have to understand that this is eating, choosing how you eat, your meat is is not mandatory, and and therefore, if someone chooses to eat clean, and their fellow Noahide chooses not to, there should not be any animosity in any direction with this with their decision. One of them, uh, and I'm and telling you, what, you know, this is a very personal. Uh, uh, subject to me because, you know, I, you know, it, I understand it fully being that, you know, being accused of trying to be uh, more holy than someone else. You're trying to be, you know, trying to be more righteous than somebody else, trying to put yourself above someone else. If you, if you eat clean on the, on the other side of it, people that eat clean, so you know, kind of would look down their nose at somebody else. Well, they, you know, they're eating pork, you know, and you, and you, uh, and you uh, look at them in, in, in a certain way. This is the type of situation that this dialogue on this show and studying this book has to come out. This is not. This is not from the sages. This is not from uh, you know uh, uh, the arch scroll commentary. This is true life, actual living in Noahide and the problems that we face with it, and one thing with the shiva mitzvot here and this particular one about eating uh, the limb of a living animal we have to have understanding uh of what we're what we're doing and what each other's doing as individuals we want to stay we want to be able to uh as as individuals be able to practice this mitzvot in a manner where We are eating an animal that is slaughtered correctly, no matter what animal it is. But on a spiritual level as a Noahide, we want to be able to do the things and practice the mitzvot that may uh, uh, may spiritually enhance our connection with Torah for whatever reason that may be or whatever benefit we receive from it. And the conflict between the two, these two concepts, you know needs to be addressed uh separately and not as one item because when you start when you when you start looking at these things to what's kosher and what's not kosher you know we say well he's not eating clean so he's not kosher that is, that is a falsehood or he's right. eating uh um Work. He's not culture. You see where I'm coming from from this? It's a very difficult situation uh, and uh, very emotional for a lot of people, uh, but I think if we address it honestly and, and directly and, and answer the questions pertaining to each subject, we'll, we'll come to an understanding, and what will benefit from it is that uh, Noahide the Noahide communities that uh, may do things in a little different way will have uh, a little bit more unity. And that's what this show and, and Noahide Nations and, and everything is about, is drawing these Noahide uh, communities together and kind of resolving some of the differences.
1: And I agree. I, I think it is uh, the Noahides that really uh, need to be a part of that in, in a much larger way than they are right now. I think oftentimes we we question our own uh, capabilities of being able to discern those types of things and you know the way I look at it is you know what you have to get up and move forward boldly recognizing and understanding that you are going to make mistakes you're going to fall down well you know what you just get up you brush yourself off and you keep moving forward Hashem appreciates the effort that is put into this and and I think uh, from from the Noahides, that's, that's what we need to do. And, you know, in talking about this whole clean and unclean, I, I believe it was last week we were kind of talking about Noah, that he brought on both clean and unclean animals. And we were talking about, uh, obviously, there had to be an oral explanation from Hashem as to what these were. But also a little uh, tidbit was that when... Noah brought on these uh, clean and unclean animals. There were two, you know everybody thinks that all the animals came on two by two. But if you actually read the text, it says that the some of the animals there were two of each. But then there were other animals that there were seven of each, and the ones that had the larger number of seven of each actually are the clean animals. And I believe it was you who said that that was because they, uh, uh, Noah needed them for sacrifices to Hashem. And that's why there was a need for more animals, which also these animals were all clean. And I also understand from the sages that the ones that aren't uh, uh, considered good enough for sacrifice and, and more or less uh, unclean uh, are all predator animals types of animals for example you know mountain lions or bears uh you know things that might kill you uh they're generally the uh ones that are considered unclean and definitely are not the ones that are able to be sacrificed because of their predatory nature
0: well that's true but that's he here uh you know uh, a lot of uh people We'll look at the distinction as a scavenger versus uh, you know some other type of animal or predator versus uh, you know uh, uh, this, ty- this other type of animal. But we really, we really kind of we're going to wind up getting ourselves in trouble if we if we think of them and we try to break them down along those those lines. It, it's it's not the way the way I was taught. That's not the way to approach it or to look at the subject. The way to approach it is for whatever reason. These were the animals that were chosen um, for uh, sacrifice, and these are the animals that uh, were clean, that were considered to be clean. Right, so if right. we if we make we don't uh, we won't get into that designation of predator or scavenger, but that you know these were the animals that were deemed holy and deemed worthy for sacrifice, and those are animals have a you know. Uh, this a spiritual um, aspect to them uh, to to reach that designation.
1: Well, I was just, uh, uh, just I wasn't looking at it as far as designating. I just found it fascinating that the animals that were not chosen as sacrificial animals uh, all tend to be predatory in nature. And the thing about Torah for mankind is that we, that's one of the things we need to rise above, is being a predator, because we all know what we are capable of, and uh, all of us have that predatory, uh, animalistic way in us, and we have to rise above that, and that's what Torah helps us to do. And so that's kind of what I was looking at it, not really in clean and unclean, even though those distinctions do exist. So you kind of have the clean and unclean. And then it more importantly, it is how the animal is is uh, uh, killed, which really determines the value of the being kosher or not being
0: kosher. That's true, because uh, you can you can have a, a clean animal not be killed correctly and uh and, and thus it, it uh, um, causes it to be unkosher so therefore it is the kill process that is at the forefront and that is the most important and then we are then we look at the type of animals we eat and what it is that um, you know we choose to do and I'm, I'm making this a very clear as possible you know, uh, you know the way I was taught this and I know uh, Rabbi Heim Richmond was one that said, you know, you don't want to take this type of thing and put any undue burdens onto anybody, make them feel like this is something uh, a spiritual level that they should try to reach, and that you know you you know harm people in that manner by teaching things in this way. So I have to be you know use very very uh, a great deal of caution in saying. This is a personal choice to whether a Gentile should eat clean animals only. It is not involved with halakha. It is with their personal spiritual walk within Torah. This is what they choose to do. And within that, you know, I believe that we should respect those who do make that choice to eat only clean. But we but we also should be mindful and respect those who don't make that choice as well. And this is the way that unity on this particular subject within the Noahide community will come. You know, you know, after this discussion and these debates that we're having here, I tell you what, a lot of people are going to ask the question. You know, well, well, what is uh, you know spiritual about it, and and what is this thing that. Uh, some of these Gentiles are doing that they're choosing to eat meat. And they'll ask that question for themselves and they will answer it within themselves. It's, it's not for me to, to answer it for them. It, it is a personal choice. That this is what happens. And, um, I can tell you, uh, at the conference in Florida in Rabbi Chaim Richman's, uh, lecture there that, um, he does, uh, you know, say and make mention that there is a spiritual benefit to eating clean, and you know, personally, that, that's uh, uh, all I needed to pursue and to do something like that to understand it. You know, they realize that, but yet they're very careful not to put an undue burden on on people who are not required holistically to do so.
1: Okay, in terms of not putting a burden on anyone, which none of us want to do, and it's certainly certainly not mandated anywhere that I'm aware of in in terms of uh, a strict commandment, uh, I, I am curious what your thoughts are having. You know, talk to quite a few people about this, I'm sure. Uh, what what are some of the difficulties that any Gentiles might have with kind of grasping this whole concept of uh, dietary restrictions? Have you run into any kind of difficulties at all, beyond some of the ones you've already mentioned?
0: Oh, yeah, there's, uh, there's definitely a, a lot of difficulties. People generally don't like to be told what, to, what not to do, you know, that, that this is um, something, you know, just, just by nature. So if you're talking and you're, you're um, speaking of the benefits and, and of, or, or you know, from your experiences of what eating uh, only clean animals means to you, and, and um, a lot of these uh, people look at it as a um, restriction. And let me tell you, this is uh, from my studies. What I, what I kind of, what I've gathered from this, and that's, and I'm not trying to make a judgment on anyone, but I think that if you eat for pleasure, you don't want to be told what not to eat, and 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 limit and restrict that pleasure that you're receiving from eating, and so when we eat for pleasure. And not to just sustain the soul so we can study more Torah and praise Hashem, then this is where this problem comes in from. And this is a, um, a problem that, uh, you know, it goes back to a personal level and it goes back onto a level of consciousness, which again, this mitzvah of a, not eating the limb of a living animal is all about a level of consciousness and where you're at in what's in your spirituality and your spiritual walk and where you're at with following Holika. I believe that this is what it's it's like a, a mirror, you know, reflecting that because when you look into it, you know, and and find out the reasons why somebody does something or why I'm not doing this or why I don't want to do that, it's usually not too hard to uh, um, come back onto something that's, that's, personally, inside of you for that reason. Something um, uh, that will, will tell yourself and your, your approach to it.
1: Well, I think that's one of the things that Noahites really do need to be aware of. And and that is is that we are all on this journey, on the path, in different places. And we take on what we feel we can take on, even though Hashem tells us that the Torah is not in the heavens in other words it's not it's not so hard to keep that we are capable of keeping it all but we do as as I believe, as Noahides, because we all came out of you know Christianity or the Messianic movement uh, to come to where we are now, we have a lot of baggage that we do need to shed and basically relearn everything all over again. And in doing that, you can only do that a step at a time. Whereas I know for the Jewish people who are Orthodox, they basically start teaching their kids right from the cradle. Whereas you know, in, in my case, I was an adult when I first started learning about. You know how to, how to keep the the Noahide laws. How to how to keep Torah. Now some might say, well, you're still in the cradle anyway. But
2: you know,
1: <laughs> the, my point is is that I was yeah. much older. So. I was thinking of the Wendy's
2: commercial that they're playing now. Uh, the adult that's dressed in the baby oh mind Sorry. Yeah, that's a terrible yeah. visual right now
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah I, I'm, I'm with you uh, but uh, you're, you're right but that's kind of you know what I'm what I'm saying is that we have to do it step by step and it's usually because we are, are at an older age and I am hoping and, and, and praying by the with the mercy of Hashem that more Noahide adults who are having kids, are going to be able and do raise their kids as Noahides, as as Torah centered Gentiles from the cradle, and that's what that's what we need to have start happening uh, sooner rather than later. But anyway, I, I uh, uh, digress. So let me. Let's uh, why don't we move on here? Um, and this is probably a, a pretty basic uh, question that we can probably get into uh in, in the next segment, because we are kind of running up against the uh, bottom of the hour, and I don't want to you know run overtime on this uh but you know maybe you can address the question of you know what are the the real differences uh between noahide kosher and a Gentile taking on Jewish dietary laws. Because I know there are differences there, and I think it would be great if you could kind of you know, share some of that with us uh, when we come back from the break. Does that sound good to you?
0: Great. Yeah, that sounds great. And that that is that is the basis of, of what we've been talking about here, that they are two different things and that uh, they're both... Uh, Worthy subjects to look into. So, Excellent. Yeah, we will definitely get back to it.
1: Excellent. Well, let's go ahead and take that break, and uh, folks, we'll catch you on the other side. Stay with us.
2: Being alone on Shabbos isn't fun. That's why See you on Shabbos.com offers free and safe Jewish hospitality, which helps match guests with host families from Israel, America, and anywhere around the world. It's like Craigslist, Janglo, or J but for Shabbos meals. It's great for both travelers, singles, or just someone needing a good place for Shabbos. Don't spend Shabbos alone. Visit www.seeuanshabbos.com. That's see you on com. Israel is known for its breakthroughs in medical research, including the field of herbal supplements. Priso Opuntimal is dedicated to the wellness of men and women, particularly in the areas of prostate and urinary tract health. We make it affordable for you to get the very best natural health supplements available. Don't just
1: suffer. Get Priso brand Opuntimal. Order it online at priso.com.
2: That's p-r-i-s-s-o.com.
1: Welcome back, everybody. We are certainly glad that you stuck around for this very Uh, Interesting, and yes, we already know, controversial subject. And I do want to remind everybody that we are, and in particular Russell is, available for questions. If you would like to ask him any specific questions or you have any specific comments, please do send them to us at Noahide at com, And we will go ahead and we will forward that on to Russell, and then he can either contact you directly or send us a response and we can forward it on to you. However that works out, we will get those questions answered for you, though. And in the meantime, uh, let's get back into this. Uh, Russell, let's say that there's a, a Gentile out there right now that they've been listening to the last couple of weeks of, of these shows, and it's really uh, grabbed a hold of them. They, they really understand it mentally, and they, they have a spirit that is drawing them towards this. Just help us out here. What can a Noahide do? What options do we have today that we could do? If I decided to go out today and I'm going to start today, what are the options I have to go ahead and start with?
0: Well, okay, first of all, you know, the, the first problems that, that, that come up is, you know, uh, what's on the menu for supper when we get a grasp of this method and we we understand it and we want to start applying it then what are the practical measures uh that we should take to do this and and uh you know first of all when you're when you're planning a menu um fish is um uh, is a wide open option to you there's there's nothing uh that is prohibitive within any of the the fish um so you can eat fish freely. You can eat as much as uh, you want and, uh, and in any way that you want to. Now, your choice then becomes, you know, do you, uh, you want to eat a, a species of a fish that's clean or unclean? And that's, uh, you know, totally your prerogative and, and what you wish to do. But at any point, you can eat any fish anywhere with anything, and, and you're doing good. And, and we know that that's a, that's a healthy alternative anyway. You, um, you know, to put fish in your diet is something that we, we all need to do, and it's, this is a good positive first step.
1: Russell, hold on. Just for clarification purposes now, when you say fish, we got a difference between clean and unclean. As I understand it, a clean fish would be one that has scales. An unclean fish would be one that does not have scales, but rather a smooth skin. For example, a catfish would have a smooth skin, or an eel would have smooth skin, whereas a a crappie or a bluegill or a bass would all have scales. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, you're exactly right. What you're looking for is is uh, scales and fins, and you're your safe, you're pretty safe there on that being a clean fish. Anything with a, a slick-skinned type of fish would be deemed as unclean, and that is kind of how to break the two categories down.
1: Okay, what else do we have as far as options? Obviously, uh, I, I don't mind eating fish. I like fish, but I don't want to be growing gills. What other options do we have?
0: Okay, the, the next uh, thing would be poultry. Any of the, any of the poultry uh, products are generally uh, very, uh, a very good way to go. There was a story that was told to me about a, a rabbi who, you know, he placed a baseball cap over his keeper, He went into one of the major um, chicken factories, uh, uh, slaughterhouses here, and he went and, and inspected it. And what he did, what he found out at the end of the process, they asked him, you know, well, you know, what did he think about the the secular process of chicken in in this factory? And he said that everything looked fairly good to him, except for the amount of time that uh, they were, you know, soaking the chicken in salt. That was the only area that he could really find, uh, you know, question about. In other words, the slaughter process from uh, USDA perspective or procedure in the U.S. is a suitable type of slaughter for noahides to be eating. Uh, the only problem that could occur is if an accident happened within one of these fowls and the, the uh, it was not a good clean kill, in that instance, all we would not do was we would not eat the entrails of the chicken, you know, the the heart, the liver, the gizzard, and and uh, you know that's not too hard to do, especially anybody that took the time to cut open a raw chicken gizzard. That, that's not hard to let go. Um, <laughs> so therefore, so as long as we as 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 long as we uh, eat chicken and not the chicken entrails, we're doing good. Because to to explain this in a in a uh, a little bit more detailed manner, and and I don't have uh, the text in front of me, so I, I'm. I'm not going to be able to give it exactly, but the reason being is that the word used in eating the limb of a living animal is not the same word that applies to fowl. So when you're not to eat the limb of a living animal, poultry does not come into the the equation because of the usage of the Hebrew word. So therefore, what applies to uh, livestock uh, animals it does not apply to poultry animals. So, therefore, uh, you know, we don't have to have the same concern. But out of respect uh, and um, uh, for the animals, you know, that we want to be sure that they are killed humanely and treated humanely in a manner. We don't want to uh, uh, take on anything like that with the poultry products. But that's what is ensured with the USDA, that those animals are treated you know, humanely, but like I said, human error will exist. It is not the same uh, type of uh, human error. It's not the same repercussion, should I say, as if the human error happened in a, in a large uh, animal. And this is where the problem is in the slaughterhouses. It's with the large animals, not with the smaller animals. But in any case, the repercussions of it is not, is not the same with the poultry because the word used for animal in the text does not include poultry, so therefore we are we are a lot freer. We have a lot more options, and it's a, a lot more better opportunity to uh, uphold our halakhic uh, requirements if we choose a uh, chicken, and uh, and so that is another definitely another option to use. So
2: so now, so the if if I understand it correctly, then. One of the distinctions then would be that uh, clean and unclean in Leviticus applies to uh, bird and fish and animals equally, and here we're making the distinction that because in uh, in chapter nine of Genesis that the language there specifically refers to a land animal as opposed to uh, a bird and. That's am I? Right, I'm making the right distinction there.
0: Yes, yeah. This is uh, this is a perfect example, Prescott, of where the difficulty in in explaining this comes. One in one aspect, we're talking about the kosher Noahide kill process that uh, qualifies it or disqualifies it for a Noahide, and then in the other aspect, we're talking about you know what is. Um, uh, clean and unclean within the uh, requirements for the Jewish people and and their form of kosherness. So, yes, you know, when I speak of fowl and poultry, you know, I'm saying, you know, any bird, any type of bird, whether it was deemed uh, uh, clean or unclean from the text in Leviticus to what we would say it would be something that would be clean – that would be clean or unclean. It would be an option to eat, no matter what bird it is. If it is killed in a in a correct manner, then uh, the entire bird could be eaten. If it if it's not, if you're not sure that the bird is slaughtered in a correct manner, then you just don't eat the entrails of the bird. Mm. So, with poultry, with any type of foul poultry bird. There is a wide open option, but the only restrictive uh, part of it is: is if there is a mistake, you don't want to, uh, or if there's any unsureness about it, you don't want to eat the entrails of it, because the halakha doesn't categorize foul in Genesis nine and four.
1: Right. Let's see. We've covered fish. We've we've covered poultry. We've covered beef. I am curious because that's a lot of protein and, you know, there's a lot of people out there that really aren't meat eaters. Do you know of any vegetables or fruits that would not be considered kosher for Noah hides?
0: No, no. And I don't think there's any uh, uh, vegetables or fruits that's considered unkosher, uh with any uh, diet, whether it's uh, kosher for Noahides or for Jews that I'm aware of,
1: that wasn't the answer I was looking for. That that, that means that means my wife can keep force feeding me the
2: salad.
0: <laughs> but now, oh, now.
2: yes, green lettuce that that's not kosher. <laughs> <laughs>
0: When we when we when we talk about though the uh, options, and I and I think we may have talked a little bit about um, halal. Uh, we brought that open, uh, you know, brought that subject up a little bit, and we talked about uh, buying kosher beef, and we talked about that a little bit. What I was getting at here is, you know, we have the we have the options of buying kosher meat. We have the options of. Uh, having our meat slaughtered for us. We have the options of, uh, you know, eating fish. You know, we're very lax with eating poultry. We have a lot of those options. We can can apply this process, you know, to when we go to the restaurant. You know, say for an example, you go to um, uh, uh, an anniversary party, you know, they decide to have it at a, a steakhouse. You go into the steakhouse and uh, you, you uh, everybody there is ordering the steaks and uh, you usually find on the menu, you know, chicken items or salmon items. So it's you can take these principles that we kind of learn and put them into place to where we can live a day-to-day life in, and still uphold... You know, our halakhic responsibilities, uh, you know, hold up our uh, you know spiritual quest that we're on and, and, and those endeavors. So this is not something, as uh, Ray had mentioned uh, earlier, you know, it's not something that's not impossible to do. The Torah is not something that's impossible, uh, but Torah always chooses life. And we can find out to where um, even if a Jewish soldier leaves and goes off into fight a war in a foreign country, you know it's permissible for him to eat pork if that's all the food that is there. Torah is always going to choose life. We shouldn't approach this uh, in a way. That would be damaging to us that we would go without eating, and that we we would feel guilty, you know, if uh, we fell into, uh, you know, a, a, a situation to where we couldn't uphold our standards that we put on ourselves, especially with the clean and unclean uh, aspect of it. But what? So we've got to we've got to really put this into perspective that you know Torah is always going to choose life and. What this mitzvot is about is this mitzvot is about consciousness and being aware of of what we're doing and uh, how we're doing it and all of this whole process you know draws us closer to Torah, closer to Hashem and 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 elevates us and, and makes us more aware of who we are and what we are and what we're doing and that's the perspective we should be. It shouldn't be used. Um, for any type of condemnation, whether for ourselves or our, our fellow Noahides or Gentiles in general. So, if we keep this in perspective, if we've learned anything uh, from this dialogue and this question on a very difficult subject and very difficult to articulate, if we've learned anything from it, it's that right there—that this is this is about consciousness and about being aware of what we're doing. Both that fulfills halakha and, and uh, enhances our spirituality and our relationship with Torah and with Hashem and uh, with one another as Noahides.
1: Well, good. Uh, here's a question that's kind of been driving me crazy, and it's and I know this really deals with the Jewish law, but I'm curious how this fits in with Noahides, if it even does, if it's even a, a problem. But one of the things is is you don't eat. Or Jews do not eat meat and dairy on the same plate uh, together in any way, shape, or form. Now, this, of course, if I relate it to something simple, a cheeseburger is a Noahide able to eat dairy and meat together.
0: Well, well Ray, the, uh, the, the thinking behind that, the, the meat and the dairy, has to deal with the blood issue. Meat and dairy together is a is the combination uh, that's equal to blood, and um, the Jewish people are forbidden to eat blood. Therefore, they are forbidden to have any of the um, meat and dairy products together because that is the equivalent of it. So, um, you ask about uh, with Noahides, we have uh, we are permitted. To eat blood, uh, it's um, I think uh, Rabbi Yermiyahu Bindman uh, talks about that in, in his uh, in his book that is uh, allowable to us. So therefore, meat and dairy is not a halakhic issue for Noahides for kosher Noahides. Now, the reason uh, you know eating um, meat and dairy. Uh, you know has some spiritual effects on people and uh, those who understand that and uh wish to observe that for for those reasons it's uh it's it's acceptable to do but there again uh I don't think that it should be um to the extent that the Jewish people who are commanded not to do it the um Extent of their preparations is is vast uh, uh, to make sure that dairy and uh, meat are separated and the time frame in which they can eat one or the other in in the digestive system and and all of that that they go through is um, because they are commanded to be mindful of this. Now, again, when we take something on as a Gentile, upon ourselves like this, we still do not have to take it to these extremes. We can be mindful. Let me explain it to you like this. In in the uh, and this is one of the questions that perplexed me quite a bit for uh, a time is within the Jewish kosher um, laws they don't eat uh, chicken and cheese. Well, you know. How how do those two things come together, and 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 how did this come about? And so the the thinking behind it is is because you know you don't want to mix flesh, meat, and cheese, and chicken being flesh, and cheese being dairy. They want to remove all perception of uh, this uh, concept, so they chose not to eat chicken and cheese this requirement is is not on the gentiles at all and uh, I, the way i was explain the way it was explained to me is that gentiles should not even consider this concept at all this is purely something the jewish people have put together for their benefit and to help them keep their halakhic requirements and not get confused or make mistakes or have some kind of misunderstanding. So therefore, uh, you know, anyone that is, uh, you know, uh, non-Jew that is um, keeping from uh, uh, chicken and cheese, they are free to do so, but there's no real relevance for doing that.
1: Okay, well, we're going to have to leave that there, and I'll guarantee we're going to get some uh, feedback on this whole idea of whether or not hides can eat blood or not. Uh, given the statement that the the life is in the blood, but nonetheless, this has been a just a, a fantastic two weeks of uh, a topic that is just absolutely fascinating. And I know during the break, uh, we knew that this was going to be the kind of topic that you could it's kind of endless. It, it really is. And Russell has decided that he is going to have his own section on the Noahide Nation's website that is going to help further explain the side of clean and unclean, kosher, not kosher, Noahide kosher, Jewish kosher, and really take it into some great detail and some depth uh, for everyone to peruse. So that will be coming up soon, and Russell, we, Russell, we thank you for Doing that for us, uh, you know, I think it's great. I think it'll be great for uh, all the visitors to the Noahide Nation site to uh, be able to look into that kosher uh, and non-kosher, and be able to send you emails too. So that way they can get their questions to you, and uh, it'll it'll be great. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Maybe we can have you back to go ahead and you know have an update from you on on how that's going. But listen, to, just want to go ahead and say thank you for being with us, Russell. We really appreciate it
0: well Ray, I appreciate you and, and Prescott both and the time that we were able to spend together i'm I'm sure the whole subject to everybody out there is about as clear as mud at this point but, <laughs> but um, this is the beginning yeah this is the, this is where we this is where we uh step off the cliff right here we've opened the subject up we've uh we brought thought into the, you know, provoked thought and and uh, let's just see how it's going to go from here. And I, I do appreciate the opportunity to uh, continue this. I believe it is very important uh, for the NOAA high communities to get a grasp on this MinSco, be aware of it, and all of its many implications and uh, controversies and and uh, applications. So, uh, you know, I look forward to the opportunity. Of, of working with everybody to, to help this matter um, come along and, and evolve. And, and uh, everybody, uh, Torah and Hashem and everything, will be blessed because of it.
1: Excellent. Baruch, Baruch Hashem. Well, let's go ahead and wind this one down, Prescott. All right. Uh, We'll just have to jump on out of here real quick and uh, say thanks to the folks for being with us this week. If you have any questions, comments, send them to Israel. Uh, Actually, let me take that back. Send them to Noah Hyde at IsraelNationalRadio.com. And just a reminder to everyone, Noahide Nations now has the Academy of Shem online yeshiva opened and available to all at no charge. So we definitely hope that you folks can join us. And also keep an eye out for Russell's new section on the Noahide Nations website called Kosher Noahide. And in the meantime, folks, have a great week. We look forward to seeing you next week. Uh, Prescott, Shavuot Tov. Shalom.
2: Joshua had one at Jericho. Gideon had one. Now you can too. You can buy your very own authentic Israeli-made ceremonial ram's horn or shofar anywhere in the world by visiting www.thegreatshofar.com. For free shipping, enter the code INR on the website checkout page. That's INR for Israel National Radio. Get your very own shofar at www.thegreatshofar.com. Kidashta, the personal touch, invite everyone to their two exciting stores, one in the heart of Jerusalem and one in Morim. Kidashta, the personal touched, is the epitome of elegant style and service. Sterling silver, artistic glassware, jewelry, teletot, mezuzot, and much more. And also features a full boutique wine department specializing in Israeli wines. And, of course, everything is available online at Judaica4u, Judaica, the numeral four, and the letter U.com.